0: Yeah, I think we both had uh, uh, love language success and failures.
1: So we were just talking about, like, we really couldn't think of, of many stories, but one is about planning our honeymoon, so I guess we'll just share that. Yeah, that's a good
0: one.
2: This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. Today's episode is about the five love languages. Which is a theory about relationships developed by Dr. Gary Chapman, who is also a Baptist pastor. If you've gone through pre Cana in the last mm, 20 years, you've probably heard of the love languages. Three married couples are going to walk us through what they are and how they work. Of course, they work in other relationships too, but today we're just talking about marriage. What are the love languages?
3: I would just say the five love languages are just different ways that people express or receive love, and that just that looks different based on people's personalities and upbringing. But it's how how they demonstrate emotional love to another. Five
4: love languages are different ways in which individuals uh, receive love or connect with another.
2: So what are the five?
1: The five love languages are words of affirmation. So those are basically like, I love you. You look good today, dear. I love that dress on you. It compliments your eyes. Those kinds of things.
0: Physical touch.
1: Quality time. That is giving your undivided attention. Just taking a moment to connect. Maybe unwind. Put aside the phone. Shut off the television and just talk your day over.
0: So Feel like skipping, you're skipping me now? not.
1: And then acts of service giving a hand, unloading the dishwasher, doing the dishes maybe, or helping with the laundry, um, helping with the baby. You know, these are just little ways that you um,
2: help one another out. Okay. So in no particular order, that was words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, gift giving or receiving, and acts of service. The question is, which one do you speak or understand the most naturally? Let's meet our couples to talk about that. We start with Francis and Julia Dazelski. Julia is my colleague at the USCCB. Hi,
1: Sarah. Hi. I'm so fortunate You're doing a lot of work in this road. It's I
5: know.
1: Crazy. Sure, I'm Julia Dazelski.
5: I'm Frances Dazelski.
1: We've been married for two years as of December 30th. So we just celebrated two years of marriage successfully. So our little one here, our little munchkin, is Miriam Grace. And she's so excited to be on her first podcast. With mom and dad. And she is going to be one in February.
5: She's 11 months old.
2: And can you say your position?
1: Yes. I'm assistant director at the USCCB for marriage and family. And my office is next to Sarah's.
2: (laughs) Francis and Julia, like most couples, have different primary love languages.
1: This is a hard one for me because I really think that all the languages are my languages. But to different (laughs) degrees. So if I were to rank them, and this is also very difficult to do. But if I were to rank them from what I think is the most important to the least important, I would say that words of affirmation definitely rank high on my list. Um, I like to be told that I'm loved, that I'm appreciated. And I also do the same for my husband. And apparently the more you use a particular language, it emphasizes that you also appreciate that language being used with you. So that's why I say words of affirmation are probably, is probably the, the top of my list.
5: Francis is
2: not a words person. He likes quality time.
5: The quality time i think is certainly one of my biggest love languages i think julia and i spoke about quality time she values quality time i value quality time but we value it differently and we also think of it differently so for me quality time is unscheduled time no plans no schedule no commitments and for julia it's about you know doing fun things but doing as many things as possible so so there's a certain amount of Scheduling involved with that and planning ahead. And I and for me, quality time is, is not planning at all, you know, <laughs> so, because that takes too much energy. <laughs>
2: Part of our love languages is what we saw growing up.
5: But as an extrovert, he likes time with people. So he assumes that everybody should spend lots of time with people. And some of his kids are, are introverts and would rather just not be around people. And he doesn't know how to accommodate that because he's an extrovert. And extroverts have a hard time accommodating introverts.
1: That's not true. I think to them that's all true. the time. I, 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 well, so I, think, I
5: think some experts have a hard time accommodating introverts yeah, some... because they don't understand the desire to be alone.
1: I think that my parents didn't really express their affection in too many tangible ways, like in gift giving or in words of affirmation. It was definitely well, more does. by way of acts of service. And your dad does, though. How so?
5: Well, he's very affectionate.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So so definitely. So okay. So my father might definitely be more so with the physical touch and the uh, words of affirmation than my mother. Yeah, they're very different that way. So
2: when Julia uses words, the way that she likes to receive them, I I still
1: think that you have plenty of space for improvement. Um, (laughs) Probably so. Probably so. Because when I use words of affirmation to Francis, I don't always get like an immediate response. Sometimes it's hit or miss, or sometimes he just laughs. And so I asked him about that. I said, why do you just laugh? Like, you know, I mean it. And, And he's like, well, I guess because it's just unusual for me to hear. Like, I just, it's a new experience to hear somebody say I love you, you know? And it still is new. Okay, so we've been married two years, but it never happened much in his lifetime with his parents.
2: And for quality time, Francis and Julia have different ways of understanding it.
5: There's not a single way of viewing each one. So that's um something mm-hmm. you have to really negotiate, even though you mm. might say, oh, well, we both, we both have this love language, great. It's like, well, it's not that simple.
2: Here's a practical
1: example from their honeymoon. So when we were talking about what our honeymoon might look like, I had originally thought, oh, it'll be a honeymoon like my parents' was. You know, two weeks in Europe, and you're going to see the world. They're going to go to Prague and, and Paris and Rome. And... But fortunately, I've already been to those places and I've already seen them, and he has too. So in that sense, it wasn't... I guess my expectations were different because we had already traveled and I know that how exhausting travel can be. So I was a little bit more open to his plan of unplanned honeymoon. But I let him take care of all of the details. So he completely surprised me when we finally arrived at our honeymoon destination. And it was the middle of nowhere, up on a hill, like this little cabin, out of sight, out of mind, everything on earth. You not nice see cabin. anything. We were literally in a perch among... Like on a treetop. And I think that's what it was called. It was an Airbnb that had like a name like that. The
5: Perch. The Perch.
1: But honestly, it was exactly what I needed. I think it was exactly what you needed. And it was probably the best honeymoon I could ever expect because we had all the quality time in the world to just look each other blue in the face. Mm -hmm. And there was no internet. There was no television. And the weather also was very conducive to just doing nothing but being together. It was cold, foggy. And and dreary. I well, mean, we still went on some
5: adventures. You know?
1: But yeah, we, we still were. made it across the street
2: to the arboretum,
1: <laughs> and we
5: went to see a, a monastery. You know,
2: and we went to see the monastery up the street. yeah. And day to day, Julia is more task oriented.
5: Well, when she if she just like would curl up on a blanket, curl up with a blanket and a book, <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy if she did oh, that. You know? really?
1: Even if the house is a mess, see that that would be hard for me to do. Like just curl up
6: with. I him. bet, but see, I bet that wouldn't matter to him.
5: That doesn't matter to me. No, I mean, yeah, I, mean no, I I like, to, I like to pick up the house, but it's just like, you know, the house is going to be messy tomorrow. Afternoon.
3: Oh gosh,
5: I know. See, this
1: is this is the challenge. <laughs>
5: the house will always be, need to pick up. Need picking up. You know? Oh, this is the challenge. I know, and I do
1: feel like I'm constantly picking up the house, but um, our differences also lie in this fact that I need to feel like I'm mentally and. Um, psychologically, I guess, kind of settled before I can relax. Because if the house is a mess and the, the and the sink is piled high with dishes, like it's hard for me to relax knowing in the back of my mind that that's what the kitchen looks like. You know, so so we do th- see things differently that way. Whereas Francis is like, yeah, who cares? You know, the, the we can
2: get to the dishes later. And it is definitely more difficult for me to relax knowing that things still need to be done. Another love language that can get complicated is acts of service. When he
1: offers to load the dishwasher I hesitate because I don't like the way he loads the dishwasher and then I have to even redo though, it. Even my
5: way is perfect. <laughs> it's,
1: it's not efficient. It's efficient enough. The, yeah. And he's an engineer he should know how to efficiently yep. load a
4: dishwasher.
2: <laughs> Next here are the
6: Smalley's.
4: I'm Brian Smalley.
6: I'm Liz Smalley. And
4: we've been married <laughs> nine and a half years and we have three beautiful children
2: to get ready for the podcast interview, Brian and Liz took a quiz online to find out their primary love languages.
6: We were able to identify what the, the exact order was out of the five, not just your top, which was helpful too because we can just remind ourselves of maybe what um, the priorities are when we are trying to show love or connect with others. I actually saw a shift in mine. I think it's just given my current role, it was neat to, to talk about that and how that impacts how we feel valued and connected with others. This is a great point. Your
2: love language might change as your life changes. And so sometimes what used to be the best way to
6: express your love to your spouse just isn't anymore. Well, I always remember being or having quality time as my number one and physical touch being a little bit higher. But I'm a stay-at-home mom who homeschools and um, physical touch, not so high anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely think there are times where, um, you know, a little a little space physically from your children even is, is a healthy thing. So um, that has definitely shifted it's a little bit lower now. And while I, I definitely really value quality time, it's very high up there, acts of service actually floated up to the top. When the Smallies became parents, for Liz, Service jumped up to the top. I love that Brian walks in the door and he knows that I need those extra set of hands and he just willingly comes in and does that. And um, it just deepens my love for him. He serves me
4: well when he does that, I feel very loved.
6: And Brian appreciates being told that he's
2: appreciated.
4: My top is words of affirmation. The survey we did pretty much was a goose egg on gifts. (laughs) <laughs> um, but uh, the words of affirmation have always been very important for me in my life. I take the words of others really mean a lot.
2: Here's the love language, acts of service, in
6: action. So usually Brian walks in and he kind of assesses the mood of the house and he could tell generally when, <laughs> right away if if it's, like, all hands on deck or if he has a little time, extra time to go upstairs, get changed first, and then come down and help. But I'm really pretty forthright about what I do need help with and uh, maybe who needs more attention, <laughs> kind of that triage situation, like which child needs the most right now. And so a lot of times, yes, he will come in and I'll say, like, okay, Caleb wants to help you take off your shoes, and that will help me so I can cook dinner, and he will feel like you're paying attention to him. Um, And he does that. He takes Caleb upstairs while he gets changed. He'll oftentimes change his diaper while he's up there. He'll entertain the, the kids if dinner's not ready. He always has some time to wrestle around with them after dinner if he hasn't had playtime before dinner because that allows me either a little time to do dishes or simply sit down and just take a little mental break. Depends on the day. Brian does a lot of service for his family when he gets home from work. Putting the kids to the bed is another one, and then afterwards, just coming right down, throwing in a load of laundry, helping with dishes, folding laundry, whatever it may be. It seems like he really never stops, and he never complains about it either, and I'm eternally grateful. Brian prepares himself for this service on his commute.
4: I have about a 45- to 50-minute commute home, so I know for me it's important to use that time to get out of work mode and get ready for family mode, and whatever's going to be happening, God help me to be ready and to be able to serve Liz and to serve the children. And, you know, each day of the time, it, it's precious that we have. It's really just being like, okay, whatever it is, I'm here to serve and to enjoy time as a family, as chaotic as it may be.
2: Liz finds it a challenge to try to meet everyone's
6: needs in the family. I've never really considered a house full of love languages, if that makes sense. And as I was doing... <laughs> Doing the test again, and then we were kind of evaluating our children, we were saying, like, oh, you know, this makes sense, maybe why this child connects in this way and this way. And even though we, we knew it, in a sense, when you think about all three of them and how different they are, you just can't serve everybody's needs all at once. And I think a lot of times maybe that's why when Brian comes in and we do the whole triage assessment, we say, okay, this person has really been maybe asking me to play this board game for a long time and I've been trying to do dinner. So if you could just play with this little one for ten minutes or you have a daughter who is very dramatically inclined, she loves putting on little performances and it just makes her day. If you can take five or ten minutes out of your day and just watch whatever she's created, But I realized that if we give her that time, that day, sometimes we need to move on to the next child and it might even be the next day, the other one kind of gets that top spot if you will. So kind of jockeying around different children's love languages aside from our own has been an interesting process. But it seems to work when
2: she and Brian intentionally love each other in their respective languages.
6: So I think it definitely smooths the lines of communication. I think it um, allows for just a happier, more peaceful relationship overall.
2: Our last couple is Craig and Stephanie Rapp, who you may remember from the Family Table episode.
0: Hi, I'm Craig Rapp.
2: And I'm Stephanie Rapp.
0: And we have been married for eight, going on nine years. We have two kids.
2: They have almost the same love language.
0: I'd say my first one is probably quality time right now. It didn't always used to be that. It started probably more as like, physical touch and gifts giving, but then um, as our kids got older and started demanding more of our time, it definitely became something that, like, I craved to just have time that was dedicated to just me and stuff.
3: My number one is words of affirmation, and then it's, it would be quality time, and I think that's been pretty consistent for me, and I don't know if I really understood or realized how important words of encouragement and, like, kind things said to me how important that was to me until when he does those things. It just, like, makes my day. And that's something that's been pretty consistent.
0: I okay, I think that's always been your number one.
3: Yeah, I don't see that changing. <laughs> and
2: Stephanie has read the book about the five love languages for children.
3: I have read that before, and they talk a lot about when they are so young, how important it is to show them all of it.
2: Craig likes quality time the best, but receiving gifts is also up there.
0: One of my, like, top, is uh gifts giving and it's just always been a thing of mine like if you can put a thought a good thought into a gift and it ends up surprising me and being something that i never would have thought of for myself that's huge and this christmas was a really good example where steph got me something that we had a we had a $50 one that too, so it's really difficult and she got me something that I was oh this is so awesome that i never would have thought of for myself but like was right on point with what my hobbies were and what you know i would enjoy so that was really impressive to this day, I still talk about it with her and kind of like that was so cool that you did that for me.
3: It's LED lighting for a screen, by the way. That's probably like my last one. It doesn't really come naturally to me. Like I don't really think about it. I'm a little more practical with gifts. I'd rather tell him what I want and then get it or <laughs> something that I need. And he's very like, no, it's got to be something that's thoughtful and fun and and something you wouldn't really buy for yourself and things like that. So a lot of times I get very nervous, but it, it's a good out of my comfort zone, helping me grow to really be able to like put myself in his shoes and think about what he, his interests are and things like that. It's cool to be challenged to love in a way that you don't naturally do.
2: And Craig has shown love through words when Stephanie has really needed it.
3: After we had our first baby and I was on maternity leave, it was my first day back to work, which obviously I was pretty anxious about, and it was an emotional time. That morning, he typed out this letter that was just so encouraging to me and how proud he was of me and as both a mom and, and working, and all these things that just really meant so much to me and made the day a little less difficult.
2: That was a big gesture, but Craig also does little things, like...
3: He would actually pack my lunch, and he'd always write something on a napkin, sometimes really short and sweet, sometimes funny, sometimes with one word or a few... But it was always something I really looked forward to and felt really loved by that. So good job, Craig.
2: But both Craig and Stephanie think that they are failing at loving with quality time.
3: The failure part, we both say that quality time is so important to us. It's just definitely hard right now given our season of life and with young kids and both working. And we've talked many times about okay, as soon as the kids are asleep, let's make sure we're sitting down and spending time. And and we do pretty well with that, but there are definitely times that each of us might be like, well, I need to get this done really quickly first, or I need to do this chore, or this came up, and we just talked about making sure we're prioritizing that, because it's just very hard to balance everything, all of life's demands, of course, but really making sure we're prioritizing our marriage, and that also is the way that we both really receive love.
2: They know that spending time just with one another is good to do. It's just hard.
0: It just makes for a stronger marriage and family life, period, right? When you're when you're actively putting an effort to satisfy that love language or satisfy their their need to be loved, they typically reciprocate. And so I think sometimes the most difficult thing is being the person to make the first step and be like, okay, I don't necessarily feel loved right now, but I know if I do action A, that'll make them feel loved. And then, wouldn't you know it, they, they reciprocate back in the way that you want to be loved. And of course... If your kids are seeing that love reflected, they're going to reflect that love one day too. And I think that is probably one of the biggest motivations to make sure that you're loving your spouse and the way they want to be loved is reflecting to your children and hoping that someday they'll do the same thing.
2: I asked all the couples to tell me why they think love is so complicated. Why can't we all just agree that quality of time is the best and just move on with our lives? It can be complicated, but then again, life is complicated. <laughs> I
1: don't think it's actually as complicated as it sounds. I think it's just... I mean, it's just one of the many challenges that we face as human beings, and and it just comes with our differences and as unique individuals. You know, we all have our different preferences and the ways we are made. Our family origins are all different, so all of these combining factors make for very different people. And I think that's why it seems sin. complicated. And then there's sin. <laughs> and yeah, selfishness. and then there's and then there's that, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then there's that human failing
3: element. <laughs>
4: yeah, I think in his mysterious wisdom, It's it, it forces all of us to step out of ourselves and to will the good of the other as other, to learn about each other and how God has uniquely made each of us.
3: It actually led to a really good discussion yesterday just talking about how, like, God loves us in different ways. Like, if we're made in his image and he made us out of love and he is love, these are all part of that just different pieces and just expressed differently. And it led us to talk about how God has loved us in each of those ways. Physically being present to us in the Eucharist and words through scripture, an act of service, saving us all. And we kind of were going through each one. What are what are the other two? The gifts, obviously so many gifts that God lavishes on us and so many blessings. And then quality time, like, always present to us.
4: Yeah, God calls us to sacrifice for the other, giving, you know, of ourselves, doing things that maybe
3: aren't always
4: that important to us or, I mean, aren't as comfortable for us is a way we can sacrifice for the other and show them that we love them, which really just ties back to Christ and, and his sacrifice. He gave his all for us on the cross. That we may be with him and our Heavenly Father forever. He teaches us to do likewise for those he's put in our lives.
2: There you have it. Now, here's an interesting thing I discovered while working on this episode that may be worthy of further study. What love language does almost everyone say their mom is, including me? Gosh, it's hard to tell what exactly
1: my mom's love language is. I think um, she likes gifts. Oh, okay.
5: She seems to like gifts. Okay.
1: Francis has good intuition as to what my mother is like. <laughs>
6: anyone in your life who really likes gifts and that you have to, like, consciously make an effort to adjust to that?
4: Yes, my mom.
2: (laughs) That's a wrap. Ha, ha, ha. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor.
1: Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks, everyone.